episode 106 features President, CEO, Mr. Do-It-All for General Leathercraft, Pioneer Powerlifting, Mr. Matt Hayden. Matt and I discuss American manufacturing, doing things the right way, building your brand, and more. Matt and Pioneer do so much for the sport of powerlifting, both at the professional level, as well as helping educate and promote the growth of the iron sports. They also have their first of two sales coming up at the end of June, wrapping up around the 4th of July. Everything is 17.76% off, so get your custom belt, some new apparel, some new wraps, and save a little coin too. Enjoy today's episode and check out Pioneer's website and socials for more information. Before we jump into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN. Please share this episode or any that you find value in. And don't forget to give us a rating and review, especially a five-star if you so choose, on your favorite streaming platform. If you're in the Dallas area and you're looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties. If you are needing to step up your menswear game, you need a new suit for an interview, a fancy night out on the town, or just to step up in general, check out Etiquette Dawn Custom Apparel for some great stuff to help you look like a sharp-dressed man. And if you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat bench or deadlift, check out Viking Coffee Company. I love them. They're great. Continue to support them through the supporting the podcast. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized, check out Xanago Sprayer. Man, they do a great job. Uh, They're easy to use. They're fast and efficient. And the cordless is the way to go. So let them know I sent you, Coach Nunez sent you, and uh, they might give you a little uh, hookup. Enjoy today's episode with Matt Hayden. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by uh, a true um, person with with wonderful intentions for the sport of powerlifting and, and iron sports in general, uh, president, CEO, janitor, whatever it takes to get it done, uh, Mr. Matthew Hayden of uh, Pioneer uh, I guess you, General Leathercraft, but some of, the, some of us know them as know, Pioneer Powerlifting or Pioneer Fitness, uh, the people that make the really nice belts that everybody should go get. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show, man. I appreciate being here. No, man, it's it's truly an honor to have you on. Uh, you know, what you do for, for just powerlifting in general um, and the way in which you, you push to give back to the sport and, and to help competitors um, get recognition, but as well as get, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just get, just get that that purse, um, you know, and get what's really, you know, kind of quality due to them for their efforts. Yeah, that's. I mean, when I first started, that was one of the biggest things that I noticed uh, early on. Especially, you know, this was ten years ago. Powerlifting in the last 10 years have grown. Uh, it's grown quite a bit, I think. Uh, so 10 years ago, when I first started kind of going to these powerlifting meets and kind of getting to know people and talk to people, um, one of the things I noticed is how much work and effort was put in to 
you know, prep, travel, all of the things to get uh, to a meet and compete in that meet. And they did all this for a $3 acrylic trophy or a pat on the back. And, you know, at that time, you know, world's strongest man was big. Uh, there was, there was a lot of things going on in these fringe, you know, quote unquote sports where everybody was getting paid except for powerlifting. Now I know there's some, you know, they're not very unified. There's so many different federations and all of the, all of those things that, you know, we can tackle later on in the podcast, but, um, it still didn't seem fair to me for the people to put that much effort, time and money into their craft to only get recognition out of it. Now I know there's going to be some old heads and some, uh, you know, some guys that'd be like, well, that's what powerlifting's about. Like I get that, but I think to grow the sport, you know, more unity. And I think more unity grows purses. I think more purses grows more eyeballs, more, Hey, I want to do that type uh, mentality. And that was kind of what I set out to do is like, look, I'm going to start giving back. These guys have given me everything as far as support goes, um, you know, monetary support on the website, uh, support through social media and shouting us out and that kind of thing. Um, So I wanted to, to give back and, you know, that's morphed from a couple of best lifter prizes and, you know, maybe 500 bucks here and there uh, 10 years ago, all the way up to, you know, we, we just donated like 130,000 for that pioneer meet earlier this year, Um, which was more, you know, we advertised a hundred and the way that the, Oh, the classes and, you know, who all showed up kind of worked out where I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave somebody empty-handed. Uh, ended up costing an extra thirty grand, and I was happy to do it because these people all supported us over the last ten years since I've been here. Um, you know, I just think that I wish I wish that there were more people uh, in our space, company-wise, that did the same thing. And I know that alienates me uh, or Pioneer from the space, but I think everybody's thinking it. Nobody really wants to say it. Like I, more companies probably have the capabilities of giving back more than they do. Um, and they just choose not to. And I think that's a shame. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Over the last 10 years, as I've traveled across the state for various uh, coaching jobs and, and I've had opportunity to work with powerlifting, whether as like an assistant coach or the head coach of that, of that high school's um program I've, I've always recommended pioneer and it, and it's easy to do when the values of companies align with yours but then you can also utilize the same product and put it through a multitude of tests for your own personal self and say that it works and then you have you know those kinds of people who are even significantly better than you i.e., um, you know, Half Thor and uh, Ben Pollock and several others who, you know, can do total thousands of pounds and prove the worthiness of, of the, and the quality of the product, um, you know, and then just the evolution of the, the customization that you guys have grown with. Um, I mean, you, like, I think, what, you, what do you say? It's you know, don't buy our belt, buy your belt, right? And it's... yeah it's truly yours, right? You can get it to fit you and it can grow with you. You can get whatever or as plain or as elaborate as you want. <laughs> Obviously, as long as you've got the money and you guys can make it, but 
you know, it, it's, it's truly an easy thing for me to say, hey, if you're going to invest in your child's piloting career, I would highly suggest for these items, go to this company. Because not only, right, in Texas, we always love to sell, you know, a Texas product. And sure. then two, it's American-made. And then, you know, you get that other part of the customer service is second to none. I mean, there's very, I feel like there's very few companies that I work with from, from a purchasing standpoint that I can truly say customer service is the absolute gold standard. The standard wasn't set very high before I got here. So I'm not, it was, it's, I just, I've heard so many horror stories from some of the other equipment suppliers or accessory suppliers in the space that like just doing the right thing makes us look like knights in shining armor when it really shouldn't. I mean, it's not really a testament to our, I mean, maybe I'm trying to, maybe I'm being humble or whatever, but we do, we do pride ourselves on good customer service. But like I said, I don't think this is the bar the bar was set very high. Well, it, it is, isn't that such a, a shame though, is that like what you just said, just doing the right thing is, is not, it is, it becomes the standard when like that should have been the basement, like not even the ground floor, not even the ceiling. Like, doesn't it, doesn't it just fit the mold for society these days? I mean, it, it is a shame. I mean, doing yeah. the right thing should never be, should never be like a, wow, this, this company, this person is, is, is good. Like no, just doing the right thing is not necessarily good or bad. It's just what it should be. It's just what should be done. And it's yeah. unfortunate that it's not always the case. Yeah. So, so 10 years that you've been kind of in charge of the company, um, give, give us a little bit of background on the company itself because it's a family company, right? It's, it's, it was your grandfather's. Yes. yes. So uh, my grandfather started it in the late seventies in 79. Uh, I was incorporated, I think in like 83. Um, my parents bought it from my grandfather somewhere in that early to mid eighties and moved it to El Paso in 91. Um, and then from El Paso, we moved to Coleman in like 96. We could, we may have moved to El Paso in 88. I can't remember. I was a baby. Um, I know that grandpa started in 79. I know my parents bought it in the early eighties and then my family ran it. My, my mom and dad ran it all the way up until 10 years ago, where honestly, 10 years ago, they were still running it. Cause I was still just learning. I mean, I was, I was the peon. I started at the bottom. Um, I outworked everybody tried to try to, um, the same mindset as I would at any other job, just make myself irreplaceable, learn everything from top to bottom, how to do everything, which obviously this one felt a little different than in older jobs because I knew it was going to be mine in the future. But, um, yeah, so, and we moved here in 96, I believe, uh, to Coleman where we currently are. So we've been here for. Gosh, do the math. Uh, Twenty-seven years. Is that right? Something like that. Twenty-six. Something like that. Yeah. And I got here in April of thirteen. So. So, ten years. You've seen, I guess, technically one recession, a global pandemic, this <sighs> massive rise of social media. Like I, I would assume, ten years ago, marketing was 
was way more word of mouth and, and a little bit of social media to where now, obviously word of mouth always matters because uh, it's the easiest, cheapest form of marketing. But, you know, now yeah. it's like you got to, you have to be, to, to almost be relevant, you have to be present on variety of platforms, which requires time, creation of content. Sure. Um, which, you know, every, every time that you do your, your IG live and you wander around the, the building, right. The biggest thing that comes up is, Hey, you know, can you find this belt? Can you find that belt? And I think like, it's like this, um, you know, almost like a kid at Christmas type feeling when it's that's, Hey, that's my belt that they're featuring or, you know, he, yeah. he's, he can give me exact, like, I know exactly where my product is in the process or roundabout. Like that's a pretty cool deal um, because we all know the, the horrors of shipping right now. Yeah. And you know, it is, I really never dove into it um, as a consumer, how that looks like I'm trying to think of like, I've got a vehicle on order right now that I've had on order since October. Ford's never going to shoot me a picture of, you know, the chassis being built. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I don't think there's probably any other product that does that. So, you know, maybe that is a, a really good like selling point as far as customer service goes. Cause I do think it'd be exciting being on the other end of that phone call for me, it's just work, right? I'm just, I'm fumbling through belts, trying to find this one particular thing, um, that sets it apart from all the rest. And, uh, but I think, you know, setting myself on the other side of the screen, it would be kind of cool to see, oh, this guy's singling me out. He's showing me my, my stuff. Like I, I matter at this point in time. Um, whereas you don't really feel like you matter to any, any company outside of just, you know, i I give you money, you give me product. That's it. Yeah. Um, that is, that is kind of cool to actually sit and, and think about that. But um, yeah, the last 10 years have been, been wild. I mean, last, just the last three years has been wild, but um I'm, I'm I'm really ready for the uh, once in a lifetime things to start dying down. I'd like some consistency. Uh, who knows, man? You know, I and we don't really have to dive into conspiracy theories, but you know, there's another presidential election on the horizon. I'm sure there's another something on the another something on the horizon, and it's it's it it, it kind of seems like there's this attack on. American manufacturing and, you know, just pushing everything out away from our, our natural, you know, our borders to elsewhere only to bring it back. And, and I understand like, yes, we can help other countries through outsourcing and all that. But you know, when, when our dollars are continuously leaving this country, it, it's still hurting the people that live here on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I think that we, we lose that. And I think that's another reason why just patriotism and pride in the country is under attack as well. And I, and I get it. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about the extremists, um, but more just the fact of I, I can own American made products. And I know that, Things are relatively locally sourced, and the fact that it may cost a little bit more, I'm still giving back, and, and somebody is going to benefit from this right here in my community or in my 
state type of thing versus I'm, I may never see the benefit of what I buy from Nike or whoever else that, you know, makes all their stuff in another third world country. You know, I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and bash on anybody that doesn't strictly only, you know, order stuff made in America, but the, the tentacles, the spider web of that money staying in our country really does go further for our brothers and sisters here, local, uh, even, you know, even regional, it's, it really does make a difference, right? It doesn't, you know, jump to a different country and then stay in that country, right? That money kind of stays around. So I do think it's important to, to purchase made American products. Uh, that's obviously why we make them here. I, I think we could probably find a supplier in a different country and be able to make more money, but that's not really what we're, what we're about. I mean, the American made part of our business model is, is embedded too deep to ever try. Um, now that said, there are some raw materials. There are, you know, some products like the sleeves that we're, I think we're going to run with, um, are not made in the United States. I couldn't find an American manufacturer. And even if I could find an American manufacturer of sleeves, I could not find an American manufacturer of neoprene. So, you know, what's, you know, what's right, what's wrong. It's, it's incredibly difficult to find certain items made in America. And what's really sad is some of the certain items that we deal with in the fitness industry that are made in America aren't any better or worse quality wise, but they're twice the price as somewhere overseas. That's where we pride ourselves and where I think all American manufacturers should pride themselves is quality has to be better to justify the cost. I think in a consumer's mindset, right? I mean, if you, if you have a product, two identical products, you know, let's just say, let's just say they're, they're like dress belts, like the ones you wear around your pants, right? The, the belts that we make have to be better than the ones that China makes because China is going to be half the price. There's not going to be that many people, especially in the younger generation, spend twice as much money on a product that's exactly the same just because it's made in America. It's got to be better. So you've got to have a selling point. And, you know, elastic is what I'm talking about. Like the elastic for wrist wraps and knee wraps. There's not very many American manufacturers of elastic like that. And the ones that are, which we still made, you know, like all of our stuff is still made in America. All of our elastic is but I've had Chinese samples and Pakistani samples come in and they're not that much different and they're cheaper. Um, so obviously on a business perspective, like do we make the switch? Do we stay American? Like there's, it's, it's unfortunate. Like I think American companies first and foremost should be quality. And then, then you can work on pricing, try to figure out how to get your pricing competitive. But if your quality is not better than elsewhere, then you know, you're, you're doomed. And then, and then that's why I feel like our quality, you know, the, the raw materials that we bring in, we don't cheap on any of it uh, so that we know that our quality, if I have a belt that I made personally and a belt that someone in China made personally, I think ours wins hands down. And I hope that most of our customers would be the same way. That's what sets us apart from just some, uh, you know, random website company and, that's selling Chinese made goods, which I'm not, I'm not dogging on China. I mean, we need them. And I think that this whole issue of, uh, you know, whether you call it American pride or, or American manufacturing being attacked, this started a long time ago. We started shipping jobs over there because the dollar goes wherever it goes the furthest. Um, you know, that's capitalism. It's one of the, 
probably one of the flaws in the system, which obviously I'm for capitalism, but that's for another story. You know, um, we started shipping that stuff over there and those companies started making more money. There's no way they're going to bring it back, right? It doesn't make sense for the company to do that unless you align yourselves with what we consider is right. Kind of making it full circle from the doing the right thing is always the right thing. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a whole lot of issues um, with American manufacturing not being relevant in the world. Um, but I think those are probably the most important ones. Yeah. You know, it, it, I would venture to wonder the view of foreign countries on the overall the overall quality of American made goods. Like, do they actually look at it in general as just cheap and simply about creating a profit? Or, you know, do they look at the American made products as a whole and say, these are some of the best, this is the standard we're trying to exceed. I feel like on, on, on many things, it's probably they look at it and go, this is cheap, it's crap. And they're just trying to make a buck, which I think we've, we probably feel similarly about certain things from certain countries. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there are those, I, I feel like the things that are quality and that are viewed as the standard are small from both sides, right? Yeah. I, I mean, business, like this, business goes a long ways. Like there are certain businesses and I'm, you know, I'm, this is American made. This is Chinese made. This is just business in general. People, some, some buyers are price point buyers. Some buyers want to buy the cheapest thing out there for the hard, highest markup where there's going to be some people that want to a, a quality product. Like, you know, obviously my back and forth with this supplier out of China for these knee sleeves that we've been talking about. My first, my first thing was, can you guarantee quality of the prototypes that, that were sent to me? Because they were, they were good quality, um, quality that I hadn't seen in seven years of trying to find an American manufacturer of them. And obviously they said yes, which they weren't going to tell me, no, I can't guarantee that they're going to be good. But, um, you know, there are other companies out there that have to search outside of the, the boundaries or our borders to find a quality uh, made product. And there are people overseas that are filling that, you know, that niche, filling that need. Um, you're going to start seeing higher, higher quality stuff. I mean, you see it, you see it in electronics. I mean, Chinese made electronics, you know that there's some high quality and some low quality. I mean, you're talking about from LG TVs to little brand names you've never heard before. You can tell the difference between the two. Um, so there are companies out there in China and in other places, I'm sure, obviously, uh, that are, that are focused more on quality rather than quantity. Yeah. As you have, you know, kind of risen through and learned the various positions and role at Pioneer, and you start to kind of get some of these younger generations, um, you know, they, we at the high school level, you know, we're always asking, what do you want to do? Well, for if they don't want to go, you know, be a pro, whatever, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to, I want to own my own business. Great. Okay. Well, what do you want to do? I don't know. Well, what are some business, what are some business plans? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you want to go to college for it? No, not really. I want to be famous on, on TikTok. 
cool, dude. Like you realize like there's just so much that I feel like we as educators are behind on from a teaching standpoint. Like, so if you were going to teach like an, an introductory business, you know, whether it's from an acquisition standpoint or starting your own, um, you know, what are some things that you would encourage? And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, kids in high school, but just anyone looking to start their own business or to acquire an existing business to kind of make it their own. What are some things right. that you would encourage? First and foremost, I think being grounded in your expectations has to be there. Like, I don't think that you can, as a 17 year old kid, that would have been my answer to you. Like, I want to be famous. But I mean, being famous is not just something that happens. Like you have to work for it. The, the highlight reels that most of these entrepreneurs um, on social media, like they're showing their fancy cars. They're showing like, they're not showing sleeping on a beanbag while your pregnant wife is at home. You know, you, and you're still at the office running embroidery machines like I did. Like, there's a whole plethora of low lights that that anybody has to understand. Like, that, or either that, or they're just not gonna they're not gonna make it. They're gonna think that oh, I'm an entrepreneur, and you know everything is good, and it's gonna work out. And it's not necessarily the case. Like, when I took over the family business, we were two or three months. When I came back, not when I took over. When I came back, we were two or three months from going bankrupt. I, I, it took me. It took me eight weeks to cash my first paycheck because we didn't have any money. Um, I made, I think it was twenty three or twenty four thousand dollars the first full year I was there, um, and I worked. I mean, eighty hours a week was like a vacation to me. Like it was, I, I literally stayed the night in the office while my wife was going through grad school, while the twins were while was still in utero, and when the twins were brand new. Uh, I mean, I was staying the night out there. I mean. 20 hour days was, was normal. People have to be grounded in their expectations to be able to, you know, try and be, even try and be successful. That didn't make me successful. That was just what I needed to do. Um, and then I think after that, like you have to differentiate yourself from everybody else. Like you can't just be a cookie cutter business and expect to, to flourish. Um, you'll just get lost in oblivion. There's too many, like apparel companies is one thing. Like I never wanted to be in the apparel business until our brand kind of became a little more respected and people wanted shirts that had pioneer on them, but I never wanted to be because I'm not a graphics guy. Like in my brain, I can't come up with some of the cool graphics that you see, especially in the fitness world. Um, I align myself with, with, you know, some of the, in my opinion, some of the better graphic design artists out there uh, to do some of our shirts. This one's a little more Texas themed than most, but, um, you know, aligning yourself, I think grounding yourself in your expectations. When I say aligning yourself, aligning yourself with the right people um, to fill in the gaps because you're not going to know everything. Um, and then differentiate yourself. Those are the three things that I would focus my class on. Um, but there's a whole lot to go into on, on those three things. So. Yeah. Well, and, and I would agree with you. Like, you know, we've talked already a little bit about, you know, aligning, <clears throat> aligning yourself uh, with, with the right people. And, and then obviously um, holding true to your values. Um, yeah. And now, you know, that, that, that other part of differentiation, right? Like the novice person is going to look at 
a lifting belt or knee wraps or wrist wraps and they're going to look at it and go what is the difference like i can go to x department store you know x sporting goods store and buy this for you know 50 bucks or less i can get this on amazon uh i can go to this company i go to this company right so for the novice person what do you feel like aside from just quality and customer service what sets pioneer apart i mean you said quality and customer service and i think that one thing that truly sets us apart is customizations um obviously quality over uh, a harbinger or a vallejo or you know those are those are major brands whether or not we kind of we kind of scoff at them but i mean they're an academy they're in walmart they're in all these big box stores, there's a lot more people with a Vallejo belt than there are with a Pioneer belt. Um, just mostly novice, right? They're cheap. I don't want to, I don't know if I'm all in on the fitness thing. So I'm going to go buy a cheap belt to get me through. And, and I think that Vallejo Harbinger and those type companies have capitalized greatly on those people that are novices um, or just completely beginners. Um, but customizations for us is is the one thing that sets us apart. That's what differentiates us. So that's why I think it's so important for us to continue to grow in that in that uh, you know in that realm because what we do now or what we did ten years ago, everybody's doing now. Right, colored levers. You know, we were the, I think we were the first ones that came out with a colored lever. Now everybody you know has a colored lever, or you know now we have the 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 PAL or the Pioneer cut. Those are patented ideas. Um, therefore people can't use, but, you know, had I not tried to protect those, I think there's already knockoffs on, on both of those products and they'll continue to be because that's what differentiates us. And people just want to take the easy route and they'll, they'll steal those ideas to try to differentiate them when they're really not. So, um, no, I, it's important to continue to stay fresh, right? I mean, I'm getting older. We're, you know, our generation is phasing out of the cool which I don't know if we ever were, but we were, I guess, when we were 18 or 20, we thought we were. Uh, but now the 18 and 20-year-olds, you know, nobody thinks the 35-year-old school. Um, so their, their, their interests are not the same as my interests were when I was 20. So you have to, I mean, you have to pivot and you have to try to stay with the times because, like, it'll be, and this will be much more difficult in 10 more years. Um, our clientele is 18 to 35. Right. I mean, that's that's 80 percent of the buyers of, of powerlifting belts. And it makes sense. Right. You're not going to have just a whole bunch of 75 year old men buying a five hundred dollar custom belt uh, for their fitness journey. Um, 18 to 35 is our bread and butter. That's our customer base. Um, when I'm 45, it's going to be harder to relate to those 18 to 20 year olds to try and figure that out, too. You know, and then when I'm 55, it's going to be even more difficult because we're just so few, so far detached. Um, but that's the goal is to, you know, hire younger people that kind of know the, the fashion trends, the things that are cool at that point and capitalize on those through our customizations. Yeah. Well, and I think the one part that, you know, you, you at least will always be able to kind of just hang your hat on is that's kind of that peak time of competitive powerlifting. You're probably getting that, that a lot of those 18 to 20 year olds are probably coming out of high school and as collegiate powerlifting grows more and more, you're going to have that continued 
uh, growth early on, and then it just kind of it, it tops out, right? There's always going to be somebody that's younger, somebody that's better, stronger, whatever. It just just roll regardless of what sport you're you're competing in, right? And eventually, the roster turns over, the younger competitors take over, right? You see it in strongman. Like I think we all would have loved to see Brian Shaw win another, win his fifth one. But you all kind of saw those younger competitors and were like, mm, he probably missed his window. It's great that he's still able to compete, but you know he also yeah. knew like getting a little long in the tooth. I got kids. It's time to you know, spend more time with my family. Um, yeah, you know, and I think people look at somebody like that who's transitioning and now he's got his own. Um, his own competition, you know, much the same way you guys have kind of, you know, started with that Pioneer Open and just rolled that um, competition. I, I think that's where the some of these iron sports need to kind of, like you talked about early in the in the beginning of core unification, right? I don't like these rules, so I'm going to go start that federation. Well, yeah. and then the, somebody gets sideways over there, starts another one. You, know, you see it in boxing. Like there's so many different belts. You don't know who, what belt yeah. matters more than the other ones. You know, it's yeah. not like it's not like the NFL where it's boom. If it's not the NFL, um, it's not the premier. But it doesn't yeah. it doesn't necessarily diminish XFL. Or USFL, those have actually been pretty good and given people more desire to just hold on to the football. Yeah, but, I mean, all of those guys are still they, – they're still striving to get to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, what do you strive to get to for powerlifting? Like, is it, it – I don't, I don't – you know, I don't know if it's USAPL or, or – you know, IPF or whatever other federation just sprung up type of stuff, you know, and then you navigating the requirements or the recommendations of those federations for whatever, you know, specs that are competition acceptable and navigating all of those landmines. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a good thing that they don't, require different specifications because that would make it extremely difficult on the consumer not obviously it would make it extremely difficult on the manufacturer but on the consumer like is your belt you know is it nine centimeters or is it 10 centimeters oh it's 10 centimeters i can't use it in this fit or that fit or this you know that would be ridiculous um personally i think a lot of the specification rule sets are are a little dated and probably need to be looked at anyways but you know, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing that I, you know, those that follow you kind of know your, aside from your family, right. Your, your next two biggest passions, I would say would be Nebraska football and golf. Um, yeah. So Stance on the LIV and, and the PGA, where do you see that going? And then where do you project Nebraska football for this 23-24 season? I have, I mean, Nebraska football, honestly, I thought Scott Frost was going to turn it around and look what happened there. So 
Um, I can't speak much on the Huskers. I think Rule has done a good job, but I thought Frost did too. I mean, the I think the Colorado game will tell the the, the story for the whole year. Uh, I think that's going to be a big game with old Coach Prime uh, going to Boulder. If they can if they can win that one, I think they'll be set up to at least be decent. I mean, I just wanted to make a bull game at this point. Like, I'm not going to set my expectations any higher than that. <laughs> Um, and then what was the other one you wanted me to talk about? Oscars, yeah. I think the live tour will be short lived, personally. Um, the Saudis they have a lot of money, right? I mean, they're not going to run out of it, but I I just don't see unless they can come up with some sort of major TV contract. I think they're, I think they're dead in the water. Um, people are going to go to them just like you know, actually in person, go watch those things. But dude, if there was a, if there was a live tournament in Texas, I don't know about it. Like I have no idea where they're at. I know there's the colonial. I know there's the Byron Nelson. I know there's the, the tournament, uh, the TPC San Antonio. Cause they're there every year. The LIV just jumps around. You don't even know where they're at. They're kind of like a concert for your second or third favorite, uh, musician. I mean, I, I just, I don't think live, has a chance. They pay a whole bunch of money. Those players don't really care uh, because they get paid up front. Like they're not really trying to compete too much. There is a lot of money if they win, but they're, I mean, they're already making 200 million uh, without even going and competing. And what does a live outside of the money? What does a live trophy matter? I mean, it's not going to go in the record books. I I, I think they're dead um, personally, but I could be, I could be wrong too. I don't know. Now that Tiger Woods, now that Tiger Woods doesn't compete, I don't really watch a whole lot anymore. <laughs> and it's unfortunate because I, I Tiger Woods until his fall, man, he was he was an idol. Um, and I know now through my you know faith journey that you know, idolizing people uh, was wrong in the first sense, and then he proved it to be wrong um, with all of his adultery and the, all the bad stuff that happened. But man, him as an athlete was pretty awesome to watch growing up. When did you, when did you know, like what you guys had at Pioneer as far as like the belt, the wraps, like, was there ever a point where you're like, okay, what we have here is really special because so-and-so has used it. Or has there, have there been times where you just kind of step back and go like, whoa, how did we, how did we, how did that person get our stuff? Several. Um, when we first started, let's say this is eight or nine years ago. Uh, everybody kind of knows who Larry Wheels is now. Larry Wheels was like 17 year old kid. And Kevin Oakley, uh, Oak Strong, who is a multiple all time world record holder in squat, I think total, maybe bench as well. Um, he kind of got me like they, they trained in the same gym and I think they were like, he's like Oak, I think Oak um, kind of mentored Larry wheels. I, I think, I mean, this is outside looking in, I don't know. And I can't speak for it, but we got a belt in Larry's hands and right before he, you know, blew up in popularity, he was already getting popular. It's been sponsored by animal uh, and all of the animal guys. And we're talking like Frank McGrath and, um, Andre Milinichev and I'm trying to think who all the animal Pete Rubish and 
I mean, all, the who's who of powerlifting was in Frank McGrath's bodybuilder, but um, the who's who in powerlifting were all sponsors sponsored by Animal. You know, and getting to go into the Animal cage and seeing every one of those lifters and Pioneer stuff, I was like, all right, we we're, we're and they have you know they have their pick. I mean, SVD wasn't even around then, I don't think, not selling belts at least. But like you know, Enzer or Titan or any of these other companies, they would have sent any of those guys a free belt. Whereas some of these guys, you know, purchased belts from us, which or reached out to us for belts, uh, which tells me that either somebody told them or they felt it for themselves. Like these are better than the rest of those guys. Um, so being in the animal cage and seeing that, you know, and then seeing um, multiple influencers, which, you know, nowadays it gets watered down by people that don't really lift and they just kind of look like they do, but some super, super strong, well-respected people in the, in the industry, when they started reaching out to us for, for product, I knew we were, we were onto something like this. The quality is, is there. That's awesome, man. Well, you know, I, I've said it earlier and I'll continue to say it. Um, you know, if you're, even if you're outside of the, their, you know, average market range and you're still serious about your, your fitness, like go invest in yourself, go buy pioneer, um, you know, obviously, once you guys get your your knee sleeves, I have no doubt that those are going to be top notch because um, you don't do anything subpar anyway. Um, you know, and, and I can I can attest to the feedback to, that that you can give these guys, and they they truly take feedback and learn and improve. Um, you know, my my one of my coaches and I we have uh, three of the hybrid belts, um, one of which you know. We we made a suggestion about extension extending the the Velcro area and you know they they sent one back to us um, after taking feedback um, and and then, you know that that to me is one of my favorite belts is just because it's not super bulky uh, but it's stiff enough to to give that 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 bracing support but it also um, is thin enough to do you know Olympic lifting and and other things that you you desire additional support. Um, so, you know, I personally believe in them. Uh, I know several other people that are way better than me believe in them. Uh, heck, our freshman, uh, our freshman phenom young lady has a, uh, a sparkly sequin lever belt. Um, and apparently she, uh, she was known by that when she got to state. So, you know, that, that's a, that's a big deal for, for that. So, you know, and all, and all it is, is just a lot of that is word of mouth, um, you know, and people just believing in, in quality product. We're going to do our best to, you know, keep the quality as, as advertised and what we've been known for forever. So we would stick it out for another 44 years. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, the other deal that you guys have, uh, coming up is, you know, your, your July 4th sale. So Christmas in July, uh, it's the best time to go get you a belt. So give the people a rundown of what that in, entails and uh, how soon they need to jump on that. Yeah. So um, I don't think we've set the dates completely yet, but it will run through the fourth. And I think it's like, without looking at a calendar, I think it's like the second through the fifth or the first through the fourth. Um 
whatever that, I think it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something of that nature. For sure on the 4th, though, just to make it super simple, I should have been a little more prepared. But on the 4th, the 4th of July, and then we have a sale in October. We run two sales a year. 4th of July is the biggest sale that we run every year. Uh, it's typically 17.76% off of everything. There's no codes needed. Um, it's definitely the best time to purchase a custom belt uh, with that discount. The Christmas sale is only 10 Sometimes we do 15, but uh, percent off the 4th of July. If you're waiting, you can expect the lead times to be a little bit longer after that. Uh, prior to the 4th of July sale, if you're not worried about getting the discount, it's a great time to order a custom belt and get it quickly because uh, a lot of people do wait. Therefore, the lead times really shrink right before that sale, and then they'll balloon back up after that sale uh, with the influx of orders. So. Uh, if you're not worried about the concern, worried or concerned about the price, and you're more concerned about speed of delivery, ordering now through the beginning of the sale is your best time. Uh, if you're worried about price wise, the best time to order is going to be during that sale. Uh, you just got to take a mental note that the lead times are going to be extended a little. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate everything that you do. Uh, not just for your community, for powerlifting, uh, for American manufacturing, but just, you know, doing it all for for him upstairs. And I and, you know, wish you well and continued success in your business and your faith journey with your family. And, uh, you know, just keep doing the right thing. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it.